Welcome to Aesthetics Mastery, the podcast to help you thrive and raise the bar in your aesthetics practice. I'm Dr. Adam Chong. And I'm Dr. Tim Pierce. Dr. Tim Pierce is the founder and director of SkinViva at SkinViva Training and a general practitioner. And Dr. Adam Chong is also a general practitioner and an aesthetic trainer and clinician at SkinViva Training and SkinViva. So welcome to the podcast. So Tim, today I thought it'd be really great to uh, pick your brains a little bit on some of the recent events. Uh, which is on everyone's mind at the moment. And this is the announcement by the JCCP that they are suspending beauty therapists uh, for three years from their register. So uh, I think this would be really useful uh, to, to chat about. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 potentially very big news um, depending on what happens with the JCCP in the mm-hmm. future, but that's that's a big, um, there's a big question mark around that, how it will actually impact things. But it's, uh, I think most, certainly most, um, healthcare professionals think it's a it's a very significant step in the right direction, uh, and may lead to a a better, um, a more grown up industry, should we say, in, in years to come. Let's explore that in a bit more detail. I think there was a lot of emotions flying around um, when this announcement was made, and a lot of um, rash conclusions people coming to. So to really take a step back and actually, um, you know, pick out exactly firstly what the JCCP do, who they are and then what this announcement means uh, practically. Um, you've done a video that's um, about this that I think it's reached 63,000 people and there have been quite a few issues brought up from that. Uh, so definitely, hopefully, a useful podcast for people to, to listen to. Now, can you give us a bit of a brief background as to who the JCCP actually are? So um, the, it's an independent organisation that was commissioned um, after the Kia review, after Health Education England um, created some standards, so that the, the the head of the JCCP, David Science, actually was in charge of developing the standards that Health Education England um, developed after the Kia report report uh, was issued. The Kia report came about because of the perception of public risk, um, and that that's an importantly worded phrase because mm-hmm. to date there isn't a lot of good data about what the risk really is. So the situation was let's let's react to the perception of risk and start to create a um, a set of standards of what we think this the a good industry would look like, and health education then produced these um, <clears throat> and handed them over to the JCCP. Okay. They now actually belong to them. Now I'm not entirely sure about all the legalities of this, but I, I know last time I saw um, Paul Burgess, he was explaining. That the that these standards are now the property of the JCCP essentially, so they they are now the the best, if not the only set of standards about what medical aesthetics should look like, mm. um, and they are they are what this independent organisation are saying that practitioners need to meet in order to join the JCCP. Now that on its own may mean nothing except for one thing, which is the JCCP really want legislation to come from this. So they are working to working to try and achieve legislation, which is also in their in their press release. And so the shape of this organisation could could directly affect the sh- all of our, all of us in three to five years' times if it becomes legislation. So um, that's the big important part of this, because if it was just an organisation that was trying to raise standards but had no no real connection with mm. with enforcing it, I'd probably be fairly disinterested because. Um, it's not. It's not something that I feel like. You know, I, we already have the GMC. Yeah. And um, we're already regulated in different ways. It's not something that I would feel a pull towards. But this is. It's a whole different thing when you realise it might shape 
it might shape legislation and, and become compulsory in a few years' time, and that's the significance of it. Okay, because that was a question I was going to ask, because I think it's quite easy to just um, you know sit back and let this blow by. I don't think every trainer, training school in the country is really getting too involved, but you seem incredibly involved, and Skinviva Training is getting very involved with the JCCP um, and all this legislation. So is that because of the, this is eventually going to become law? I think it's the best chance of it becoming law. Now, lots of people disagree on this, and they'll say there's no economic appetite, not economic, uh, political appetite for it, and there are various reasons why why the government doesn't really care. Mm. Um, but in terms of what the best bet is, in terms of channeling your energy, then it's this is it. Um, and that, for me, is the reason to get involved, is because because if you want to shape the future, this is your chance. Like if you, and if when I asked, um, in fact, we asked on the both the Future Medical Aesthetics, which is a group that you can join to stay in touch with us on mm-hmm. Facebook, but also um, when I asked at a, the Welsh Aesthetics Conference, I said, how many of you want regulation? And everyone puts their hands up. I mean, I literally think it's a hundred percent of of people in those um, mm-hmm. uh, in those in those group, in those camps who actually want regulation. So the next question becomes, well, how can you affect that? How can you create and increase the chance of regulation happening? And the answer is to be involved with shaping the JCCP um, because they are by far the most likely organization that are actually going to bring it about. So it's about influencing the future. I don't personally see huge immediate benefit one way or the other of us joining or not joining. Our business is we have enough um, more than enough kudos through the clinicians we employ and the the shape of our business to, to to not need another rubber stamp from someone else like it literally i don't think it would make would earn us a single extra client mm-hmm. certainly we wouldn't notice it so it's not necessarily in the short term about getting clients there is a possibility that once the once the register becomes famous that it might help with that but i but i personally would it's not the motivation for me um, the motivation is, and I think should be for all healthcare professionals, is that we're we're trying to create a better industry so that aesthetics moves away from being something that, in in many ways, is seen as 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 basically not a very well respected industry into something that's much more like like a senior GP or a dentist. It's much more regulated. It's sturdy, um, because because that would be good for everyone, and most importantly, be good for patients. Okay, now <clears throat> I saw that you recently went for a meeting. Uh, with Professor is it David Sines, who's the head of the JCCP. Um, do you know a bit about his background? And could you also talk about what, what it was that made you arrange that meeting? Um, so he is a nurse by training, uh-huh. um, but then he's gone into politics. He's run, as, a, as the, the thing I know most about him is that he, was, he led the Health Education England in developing the standards. That's quite an important part. He's worked at universities um, as well in terms of um, uh, from an education point of view, I believe I may have some of those facts slightly mm-hmm. wrong, but he's um, uh, certainly involved with education and, and setting up um, organisations, government. Um, what are they called? Quangos and and things like that. So um, he's done things like this before with an, with a health education background. Um, he um, sorry, what was the other part of your question? Well, sort of. Um, your interest in meeting up with the JCCP, right. where did that come from? So, so that actually came out of um, basically out of out of slight desperation because we were there were so many of these discussions going on where um, I didn't feel that people were getting past the word beauty therapist. Mm. So there was a perception of this 
actually they were accused of all sorts of things accused of just being in it for the money which is actually quite ridiculous when you get to actually talk to them because they that's the one thing they're not they're not getting at the mm-hmm. moment um so um th- th- that it would be that there'd be some perverse incentive to set to to kind of set this organization up which i completely disagree with but i didn't feel like people were getting past the, the the red flag of a beauty therapist and thinking, well, if they're doing that, then the whole thing's bad and all the people involved are bad and there's no good will ever come for it. And I, and I wanted to explode that by going straight to the top and getting proper information, which was actually a really good interview. We got lots of, lots of really interesting, candid stuff uh, that David said, um, which is now playing out. And I think looking back at those interviews, it was quite clear that the decision was made already at, in those stages. I think, well, not necessarily the decision made, but certainly his motivations, his desire, um, his belief that healthcare professionals are best placed to do this. He did say that several times. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that's important for people to know. And the point I wanted to make was because they were almost, I, I half flippantly say, being treated a bit like North Korea. It was like we can't even deal with these people because of the therapist issue, and then and not going any further than that. Um, and I, and I wanted to um, I wanted to get past that and get some some real facts out about what exactly their intention is and how they go about because I want I think the future will be best served by people engaging with them and helping to shape the organisation in a way that we think will help patients the most and there's no power in in not engaging with them it's you, all you're going to do is delay the the one thing everyone wants for many more years so let's put our our best shot into into supporting an organisation that will that if you can shape it correctly, because I never wanted to, I always felt uneasy about supporting them with therapists on the book as pretty much mm-hmm. for us, that was the main thing we kept coming back to is I can't really recommend this to, you know, the 1200 people we've trained, 1300 and, and the in the next year we'll train another 1200 and I can't really be saying to them, come on guys, join when they feel that it's downgrading their status as mm-hmm. a, as a, as a doctor, a dentist, a nurse, uh, you know, prescribing physios and pharmacists and, and all of those yeah. professionals who feel who take who feel this is they feel the risk of what's of what this industry involves and they want to be taken seriously and it feels like it demotes their um the the responsibility that they take. Taking it back down to basics, one of the reasons uh, one of the arguments that they should well that they either should be regulated or not allowed to practice. We, as healthcare professionals, we all have a regulatory body, GMC, NMC, etc. Um, there was nothing remotely regulating any of the, any of the beauty therapists. Um, and I think, like you said on one of your videos, that um, they can say anything, they can swear at a patient, and they aren't held accountable for anything. Yep. Is that right? Um, so that's one of the reasons why I think some people almost feel like, well, if we've got a regulatory body already, why should I pay for another another one? What what would you what would you answer to that? Well, um it's back to the original point really, which is if you want regulation you need to support the body that's most likely to produce regulation and it's not the GMC. Um, you know, and furthermore, I don't think those other bodies actually do a particularly good job. A lot of them are a bit standoffish. They don't actually know what the standards are. I mean, this is something else which is interesting about the JCCP is mm. if they now that they produce these standards and they're working with these organisations, there's only a matter of time before those organisations start to refer to those standards when someone is referred for a disciplinary hearing. Okay. Um, so that that's quite an important background force, which I think is is going to is going to happen. Um, and uh, but 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 essentially, that's another reason to get involved with the JCCP is that you you at least have a chance of of affecting things and making sure that these regulations are workable. 
I mean, it's actually a threat as well to to businesses that the regulations are so so stringent that it makes everyday practice too difficult, and and that it actually you know could potentially destroy businesses, mm-hmm. um, and that's particularly risky while while it's not enforced while it's not regulations, which is one of the one of the things that um, that that I think is worth worth being involved with now, and that's one of the things we'll be doing is trying to shape it in a way that that makes sure it's actually it's actually a, you're actually able to implement it. Yeah. Um, but it also keeps patients safe. There's a balance between the two. Yeah. Okay. Um, so some of the questions that have arisen from from the video that you posted: um, Why the sudden change of heart? Why did the JCCP have this turnaround? Um, so I think the the forces at work were um, firstly um, it was there was it was never the people who actually did the the um, the initial. Uh, research into the industry and then came up with the um, with the standards it was never it, it, one of the briefs they were told is you need to make this inclusive but that was never where their heart was it wasn't the instinct of certainly not of David who I've, who I've heard the most from it's not it's not actually what he thought were the best way forward mm. so combining that with um, basically a, what David has said to me in the interview which is a complete lack of of interest in therapists joining at level seven um, and actually a lack of ability that there, there won't actually necessarily be that many therapists who are at level six so that they can train to, to even do level seven. And then it, there must be an element of the fact that basically healthcare professionals were join, were less likely to join because they saw it as a demotion um, in their status. So there, okay. there's, there's the various different forces going on, a lack of interest, a potential penalty for success for the JCCP and the fact that the people who are eligible to, to join actually didn't want to. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and so, do, do we know any figures on, on terms of beauticians that were applied to join? Well, I, I don't. I think he said no inquiries at level seven when he spoke to me. This is from memory of the video. The videos are out there, which you could look up. But I haven't yeah. looked at it recently. Okay. Um, now I know from beauty therapists who've messaged me since then that some of them are saying that they that they there were they had inquired yeah. now. Um, I don't know more than that. I don't know if it's if you know if you inquire and you haven't you haven't got anywhere near the right level of of uh, of qualification. If they were kind of saying, well, go and get that and then and then apply, or whether there was or whether they genuinely just didn't really apply. You know, maybe if there were if there were five in the last six months, that might have felt like nothing. Yeah. Um, when you're getting many more healthcare professionals, so yeah, yeah. it's it's possible that I mean I don't know how much of this isn't the result of an audit or the perception of the head of the JCCP, who may not have been up to date about every phone call. So mm. um, I don't know. But that's obviously obsessed a lot of beauty therapists um, who, I mean, certainly that's what uh, I've seen in videos on social media is that they're essentially saying, um, but we have. Now, I know training school tri- providers have applied, mm. um, but I don't know if that's of much interest compared with the actual clinicians. I, I just don't know. So I don't know the full facts. That's the perception that was that was put across um, in the video that I had, and that's as much as I know. Sure. Okay. I'm just going through another some more of these questions that, that have cropped up. So, what what does joining the JCCP involve, and um, are they going to bring in reg- regular ex- inspections? How do they regulate practitioners? Yeah, so there'll be a, there'll be a set of standards that you need to adhere to. Um, probably by far the most useful, important thing is this is the auditing and data collection because, and, and this is actually one of the primary purposes of the JCCP. Um, is to is to build into our everyday practice a reporting mechanism 
so that we actually know what's going on. Because actually, the truth is, nobody really knows yeah. um, what, how many you know, vascular occlusions there are and how many people are not treated on time. And you know, A lot of things are not evidence-based, even the actual treatments themselves, are they? And, yeah. how, and how we, how we d- deal with complications. Yeah, and we've got a situation where within... I mean, it's also to do with products. They'll be tracking products, I think, better and, okay. and, and putting health... They would even before they took health... Um, a, a, a beauty therapist off the level seven register, it still would have been controlled by medics, as you would have had to have seen one who would have prescribed and would have been held responsible for that procedure. Mm. So... Um, so all of that should be should be creating a system where we actually finally sh- shed some light on what the risk is to the public, and then using that information, that would decide whether regulation was necessary or not. I believe it will basically would say that regulation will be necessary. I'm pretty confident of that. I think there are enough problems that 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 would be fair mm. enough. Okay, I do think when I, when I train uh, other healthcare professionals that they're shocked sometimes that the, the almost the lack of, of official guidance regulations than the numbers out there when we come from hospitals with protocols and nice guidance etc um, this when you come into the industry it does seem very lax mm-hmm. um, that, that's quite a big shock to people so this may shape things in a completely different way by the sounds of it um, what about inspections um, I think you, you'll be audited I don't off the top of my head, I'm afraid I can't remember whether they're actually... I think that there are definitely regulations around the, the kind of layout of your room and things like that, and whether you have a sink and kind of similar things that I know they use in, in Scotland as well. But mm-hmm. um, So I think, there'll be, I think there would be a component of that, um, but I'm not sure of the detail of it. It's, it's, it's not something I'm, that, because we haven't yet gone through the process, I'm not sure exactly what it entails, but there, there are regulations around the environment that you work in as well. So people do mobile treatments, that would be um, relevant, wouldn't it? People going to people's houses or treating in their, their lounge? Um, I think so. I think that would be, I think that would be something that, we, yeah, I'm pretty sure that wouldn't be considered acceptable anymore. Mm. Not 100% sure, because I know that's what they thought in Scotland, but there's some sort of issue with that where, it, where it's a different system, obviously, but that, that actually that... Maybe it can you, be like it's almost prove there's a sink within three meters or something. Yeah, I think it's that it's that sort of thing. Um, I'm not so much so sure. I'm not entirely like vivid on the inspection side of things. But this is this is one of the reasons why going through the process of finding out about it, making sure that it's it's sustainable for people, would be important. Yeah. Okay. Uh, one of the other questions is: uh, Will anything happen to the non-medics continuing to perform injectables? Um, so. As things are, there's no change in the law. Yep. So there is no, there's still no law against one member of the public injecting another person for, you know, in exchange for money or whatever. Like, so that's absolutely fine uh, legally to continue with. So that doesn't change at all. Yeah. Um, and I guess it follows on to the next question, which you've sort of already covered. Do you think the government will now listen and follow with legislation? I think that's years away. I don't think it's like sudden. They need to get the JCCP functioning. You need to get people signed up, data coming in. That data then needs to be analysed, and then they need to basically probably exert a fairly constant force on in in whenever they get the opportunity, which is likely to be every time a health minister changes, which we just had, or you know, and the government might change. Who knows? The ne- the next election could go another way, um, and then then they will keep they will keep pushing. Okay, I mean, you have mentioned that we now have more of an opportunity to shape the JCCP now since this annou- announcement 
Um, can you just expand a bit more on that? I know you've sort of covered, covered it already. Well, anyone listening to this who has a business will know how different it is coming up with an idea and then actually putting that idea into, into practice. Your idea gets, gets changed as you put it into the real world. And it's being involved in that process that will allow for, for some, some rounding off of some of the square edges that are likely to, to, to exist um, in, in, in the way that we anticipate it working. Mm-hmm. It's a whole different thing saying this is how it should work to actually seeing what happens when people actually try and, you try and plug human beings into that system. And I think the, the way that you innovate around those problems is where the shaping will come in. So it's, it's coming up with solutions that still achieve the aim of increasing safety, but make it less, hopefully less onerous or less difficult um, for practitioners to actually, to actually do it. Okay. So I, that, that's the reason why I think it's worth being involved from our point of view. So you, you'll, you'll have a chance to, to make it better and sustainable to, to actually practice within that environment. Okay. Um, th- there is a statistic on here that we've been given that um, out of 100 people surveyed, 90% of, of medics have written here will, are now willing to support the JCCP since this announcement. Where, yeah. Where's that come from? So that was a survey we did on um, the future of medical aesthetics. Okay. Um, and also it's something I've, which you, you'll pick up from talking to people. Now, the only thing I would say about support is supporters may not mean pay to join like it could be yeah. like yeah you that sounds like a good idea i used to hate it now it's all right but i'll wait and see what happens but yeah. some people will be in that camp a lot of people will be in that camp um you know waiting until you have to do something is quite a human way of, of dealing with changes you kind of sit and wait until you really have to do something i, I think a lot of people will be taking that course of action yeah. um personally i think it's a risk i think there's a risk of doing that which is that you don't you don't you don't get to affect change like we've already said. You don't get to have okay. an, have a say on it, um, and also there's a risk that it just won't happen at all, and we'll we'll lose the chance to have regulation, and we'll end up, you know, in ten years' time still in the same situation while the industry's kept, um, you know, e- either growing but in a bad way, or you know, it's still losing its status and and looking, mm. um, you know, a bit risky to the public. That's a really good point, and I've heard I've heard a few people say that the UK is a laughing stock of Europe um, in terms of aesthetics because of the lack of regulation. So possibly these are the are the stepping stones to to improving our reputation. Would you say? Yeah, um, I th- I think that's true. I mean, personally, I've, I've never resonated with that because I don't really care if anyone laughs at me. It's about patient safety. Like, mm-hmm. if I think we need to keep our eye on making sure because well, this is just how I think the. If the outcome is good for the most number of people, then it's a great thing to try and build. And if you're part of building that system, you should benefit from it. So, um, I mean, I think also Europe only have plastic surgeons injecting. So let's also think about the implications, <laughs> the implications yeah. of, of, of following Europe. Yeah. Um, but the, the, and there's a downside to that to patients too, because really if you think about anything that's valuable to people, of which aesthetics is clearly very valuable to how people feel and function, um, you should make it as accessible as possible without having too much risk involved. And so there's a balance there between what's accessible uh, and what is um, because it's valuable and what is too risky that it, it, it makes it unacceptable in a civilized society. And that's what I think the challenge should be is, you know, we should be able to get, let's, let's make a better system than Europe and America and make, make, as, make it as, as accessible to, to people who want it, whose lives we made better, but make it presented in a way that's good for them. Um, as in you're not, you know, all this advertising standard stuff that we are already already quite good at, that we're not 
eroding people's um, uh, independent decision-making process in the way we advertise and market and sell these things, but that but they are accessible to people who need them and they become they benefit from a system that is both safe and accessible. I think that's a good thing to aim for. Um, so if we keep our our goal around patient safety, well-being, and access, remembering that it's something that if you need it, you should, it should be accessible to you. I think that would make make for a better system in the future. Um, so that's the way I think about it: is outcome on the people who are going to have the treatment. Um, another way of thinking of it: I think everyone who work, walks into an aesthetics clinic in five years' time, like your mum, my mum, my, you know, you want them to know. You know, you don't have to worry about that person. Now, at the moment, I would. If if I had a family member who's up in Durham saying I'm going to have some treatment, I'd be like, "Well, who's doing it?" Absolutely. Um, so we should. It should be like going to a dentist. Yeah. You know, yeah, I don't worry when my mum goes to the dentist. I know that they're all they're all good enough. Like there's a spectrum, but they'll be good enough. And that's what we need to have with medical aesthetics, which we're a very long way from at the moment. That's a really good way to put it. I like that last point you've made. Yeah. Okay, so if you could give us one take-home point from today's discussion, it could be considered quite a dry topic for a podcast, but give us a take-home point. Well, I'm trying to think if you're if you're basically if you're entrepreneurial, then you you t- you could take the angle that be involved to firstly protect your business, but perhaps even that you might be in the best position possible when things change if you're involved. So that might be one angle to have it. The other thing is just from a purely clinical, you know, responsibility, professional values, um, what, what do you think the right thing is to do to, to protect the public? Because we shouldn't just care about our own practices. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people like us in a big shiny clinic in Manchester, we, we, don't, we don't compete with the bottom end of the market. Like, it, we just don't. It's a different people. We have a different clientele. So it's not actually something which I'm doing to, to get rid of competition. It really yeah. isn't. It makes no, it's, I don't think it's it, our clients... Are the same mm-hmm. so um but there is there is reason to do it for public safety and and to be consistent with with the values that we're meant to uphold as doctors you know the, for you and us um but but for you know dentists nurses we're all the same we all agree that patient safety is important we should minimize risk and there's something to be consistent with your values i think the jccp would be a good organization a good organization to support for that reason yeah um, so and and certainly even if they don't completely overlap with everything that you want, they're certainly the best shot at, at making a system that will be safer for the public. So there's two ways of looking at it. What would be good for your for your business if you can build something around that? And then the other thing is what's actually the right thing to do given your options. Um, and for for those reasons, I think you, we should actually consider supporting them. That was a great take-home point. Thank you for that, Tim. So uh, that's the end of the podcast. Um, thank you very much for listening I think next week we are going to take some general clinical questions possibly from the the SVT forum so uh, listen out for that Um, thank you Tim okay Um, yeah so and we're also trying a new we haven't actually said that unless you said it with the other podcast you've already said it um, that we just want to try a new format where we're getting more questions and try and bring them into the um, into the podcast because we think it'll, it'll keep it fresh and light and we'll get some interesting some interesting questions yeah exactly so keep yeah. asking if when we post it on the facebook groups uh, even if you don't when you listen you'll, you'll obviously leave facebook but you could comment in in those and we'll collect them uh, you can message me directly at uh, on my facebook page dr tim pierce and uh, you could also email us um might be better to email me tim at dr tim um and we will add them to the show and uh, hopefully answer them in increasing depth as time goes by
Yeah, no question is too stupid. And uh, well, actually, some might be. We'll, we'll judge that. Um, <laughs> only joking. And some of them, if you want to know about starting up a business in aesthetics, even I think one question was about the financial side of accounting, opening up a limited company. We both have experience about this, so we can we can hopefully help and advise. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting to broaden it into well, clinical and um, business development, and maybe the administration side of business. We can try and cover all of those over time. Brilliant. Okay, thanks again. Okay, and we'll see you next week. Thanks, Adam.